Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Growl Podcast Episode 3, the Spooktober episode. Spoopy. I'm Monochrome Tiger, and I'm really rusty at doing this, and my co-host is... Reaver Pusky. Why, hello, everyone. Hello. It's been like six months since we recorded last. Shall we just jump right into it? Might as well. All right, first, we're going to really say... We're sorry for being gone for so long, and we really don't have a super good reason for being gone other than it was really inconvenient to record at that time, because I was streaming occasionally, Reverb got a big boy job as an assistant manager. That, and like, we had two totally opposite schedules. Yeah, I mean, for a while I was like waking up at like three in the morning and stuff like that. Sleep is for the week. Yes. And I am a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Since this is, well, actually, should we discuss the new direct, the possible new direction of the podcast before or after we have some Halloween fun? We'll go ahead and start. All right. We, you guys might have noticed this, and this is also a partial reason for our absence. Furry, like furry in general, is a very narrow topic for a podcast. We were having extreme trouble uh, getting consistent content that wasn't just, like, really negative controversy about the fandom. So we decided that we might branch out into stuff that me and Reverb are passionate about. And this will only happen occasionally. We're still a furry podcast, but we might mix in a couple more topics just to have a steady flow of content. And that way we don't get burned out. Also, I'm just talking about the lovely drama that happens. Oh, yeah, like, there was furry drama today on Twitter. But then again, when is there not furry drama on Twitter? When Twitter's website goes down like it did. I think it went down, like, a few months ago, didn't it? I have no idea. It was something like that. I can't remember if it was Twitter or Facebook or something like that. It was just broken for hours on end. Yeah. All right, so our first spooky article is super entertaining and fun. 10 things you didn't know about the history and mystery of Halloween. Wait, shit. I opened up the wrong one first. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, it's the one with the it's the one with the witch and the black and the black cat is the cover photo. With a cauldron that apparently produces skeletons, pumpkin people and devils. Why did that one? Okay, computer, I don't understand what you're doing. I clicked the first link, and that's the one that I thought we were starting on, so we're all good now. <laughs> okay, we're good? Yep. Every year, Halloween provokes controversy and divides opinions. Most people see it as just a bit of harmless fun, while others say it marks an ancient pagan festival. And some evangelical Christians claim it is a celebration of dangerous occult forces. So what are the facts? Here, Dr. David Clark from Sheffield Hallam University... An expert on British folklore investigates the origins of Halloween and its traditions. Do you want to read the next part? Sure. All right, let's do it. I'm choking on my bird. God damn it. (coughs) Most people believe October 31st is an ancient pagan. Pagan, Pagan. please. (laughs) Pagan festival associated with the supernatural. In fact, it has... Are we clicking those two links that were there? No, we're not. In fact, it has religious connotations, although there is a di- disagreement among historians about when it began. Some say Holotide was introduced as All Saints Day in the 7th century AD, before Pope 
Boniface the fifth? The fourth. I'm bad at Roman numerals. Same. The fourth. I only know them because of Final Fantasy. <laughs> While others maintain it was created, others maintain it was created in the ninth century A.D. by Christians to commemorate their martyrs and saints. I just want to point out the word, the two letters A.D. has been ruined for me in the furry fandom. Oh God, yep. Yeah. <laughs> in the ninth century after dark. Between like between that and fucking XD, like there's a car called the Cyan XD. I see it as the fucking laughing face. <laughs> well, the X broke off of my car's badging, so now I drive a Kia Spectra E. <laughs> Spectra. Like, <laughs> my car is a freaking E meme now. <laughs> All right. In medieval Britain, Halloween was the eve of the Catholic festival All Saints or All Hallows from Old English Holy Man. On 1st November, is <laughs> one and was and was followed by the feast of All Souls on 2nd November. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Give me your soul. I have no soul. Same. <laughs> That's why we're in the furry fandom. Yeah. The I have a story to tell if I remember about how someone Basically said I don't I wasn't allowed to have an opinion because I am a popular because apparently having a podcast with like forty four followers makes you a popular. I think I'm gonna have a brain aneurysm. Yeah, they were like, they basically said, I, I was saying some. Sorry, everybody listening, we went off on a tangent, but basically we were talking about how the fandom. Someone was basically trying to use the fandom as a way to get popular, and I was like, the fandom is about having fun. It's not about. It's about having fun and expressing yourself. It's not a popularity contest. And they were like, says the prop you fur with a podcast. And I'm like, I, I thought they were I thought they were joking. And then I was like, oh, wait, they're serious. They were serious. From what you yeah, told they were me. serious. It's like, um, what? Yeah, it's like, what? Like, that's not like, and I've mentioned it in previous episodes. The fandom is something like, it is such a wide variety. Mm -hmm. Just shit you can get into like people, there are first that are into cars there are first that are into photography there are first that are into art or in my case one of my favorite hobbies is flying drones there yeah. are first that are into that it's such a wide spectrum of people that it's amazing to see them all under one roof oh definitely also for new listeners that was a trademark growl podcast fandom uh tangent that happens like every episode. Multiple Literally episodes. every episode it happens, and then we talk about it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> I wonder why we didn't get through our subjects. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Or we just blow through our subjects and they're like, what do we do now? Yeah, moving on. Yeah. The tradition of carving a face on a turnip or a suede... I thought that meant carving a face on the sweetest person, and I was very <laughs> alarmed. <laughs> is it Swede or Swede? It's Swede. That's how you spell Swede, like as in someone who is from Sweden. Oh. Thanks for that mental image now. <laughs> or a Swede. Or, and more recently, Pumpkin. I'm using these as lanterns. Seems to be a relatively modern tradition. On the last Thursday in October, children of the Somerset village of Hinton, St. George, Jesus Christ, carry lanterns of 
Mangle Wurzels. Mangle Wurzels? <laughs> I like how I unintentionally give you the ones that have like super archaic, hard to pronounce words in it. A type of root vegetable. The light shines through the design etched on the pumpkin. They are carried around the streets as children chant. It's Punky Night Tonight. It's Punky Night Tonight. Give us a candle. Give us a light. It's Punky Night Tonight. That sounds like... That sounds like a really generic pop song from today. I would say that, or it sounds like something like a group of, like, emo kids would chant going to, like, some concert or something. Yeah, it (laughs) it reminds me something that Rebecca Black would have in a song. (laughs) (laughs) In case you can't tell, I don't like her. I hated her song. Her one song. It's it's literally a song about the days of the week. (laughs) Okay. My turn. We didn't trick or treat in England until the 1970s. Oh, Wait, this is a oh. this is a British article apparently. <laughs> Much of the modern supernatural lore surrounding Halloween was invented as recently as the 19th century. Scots and Irish settlers brought the custom of mischief night visiting to North America, where it became known as trick or treat. Until the revival of interest in Halloween during the 1970s, this American tradition was largely unknown in England. The importation of trick-or-treat into parts of England during the 1980s was helped by scenes of American TV TV programs in the 1982 film E.T. It's definitely um, British because I saw programs with MMES. Yes. Your turn. And we're not clicking the links because we're not um, Crocs and Crendor. Halloween wasn't always about the supernatural. There's no evidence about... Wait, where the fuck did I get about? Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is why I can't have these things. There's no evidence the pagan Angelo-Saxons... Anglo. Angelo. Anglo. This is why we can't have nice saxophones. The (laughs) Anglo-Saxons celebrated a festival on 1 November. (laughs) On November 1st, but the... Venerable Bede. God bless the it. Ven- just it? say the Venerable de- Bidet. <laughs> the Venerable Bidet says the month was known as Blood, blood Monoth. <laughs> blood Monoth. <laughs> blood for Blood Month. When surplus livestock were slaughtered and offered as sacrifices. The truth is there is no written evidence that October 31st was linked to the supernatural in England before the 19th century. My turn. Nor was it always scary. The idea of Halloween as a festival of supernatural evil forces is an entirely modern invention. Urban legends about razor blades and apples and cyanide and sweets haunting by restless spirits and the use of 31st October as the date of evil or inauspicious events in horror films reflect modern fears and terrors. Which, can I go on a tangent about that? Yeah, sure. Growing up, my parents always check my kids. Halloween candy. Looking back at it, for drugs, razor blades, and shit like that. Looking back at it, I'm like, who in their right minds would do that? That shit's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna go put like a drug in can- in a kid's candy. Like, I'll sorry, be honest. I'll be honest. I think most people that would have access to those kind of drugs would be like, I'm not wasting this on pranking some fucking kids. <laughs> yeah. Really. <clears throat> It's your turn. A festival of the dead. 
and pre-Christian Ireland, November 1st was known as the Samhain Summer's End. <clears throat> this date marked the onset of winter in Gaelic-speaking areas of Britain. It was also the end of the pastoral farming area when cattle were slaughtered and tribal gatherings such as the Irish face of Terra were held. In the 19th century, the anthropologist Sir James Fraser popularized the idea of Samhain as the ancient Celtic festival of the dead where pagan religious ceremonies were held. Okay, then. And then it is prayers, not pumpkins. The Catholic tradition of offering prayers to the dead, the ringing of church bells, and the lighting of candles and torches on 1st November provides a link with the spirit world. In medieval times, prayers were said for prayers were said for souls trapped in purgatory on 1st November. This was believed to be a sort of halfway house on the road to heaven. Ugh. And it was thought that their ghost could return to earth and ask for rel- to ask for re- to ask relatives for assistance in the journey. English is hard. Eng- English is hard. <laughs> and I think after this one, we're just going to switch to the furry articles because this is kind of like we're in high school again. Yeah. <coughs> Popular Halloween customs in English, English. England included solely where groups of adults and later children wearing costumes visited big houses to sing and collect money for food. Sewing was common in parts of Cheshire, Shropshire, Lancashire, and Yorkshire. Yeah, those. On November 1st and 2nd, in parts of northern England, special cakes were baked and left in churchyards as offerings to the dead. Nice. Alright, and we're skipping the other Halloween article because it's History Channel and all they care about is aliens. So now we are going to Semper Fur, how a cooling vest invented by a furry made its way into the U.S. military. I'm bad at this podcast. I didn't know there were furries. I'm bad at it, too, and it's been like six months, so we've gotten even worse. I didn't know there were furry articles, so I completely ignored the bottom. <laughs> it's fine. It's- I'll just start reading. From a Navy site in Japan to an Air Force base in Washington State, an innovation from one of the Internet's quirkiest communities is making fans in surprising places uh, quirky is a very nice word for the furry fandom like it's very it's accurate. it is yeah travis okay and then there's a picture of a really adorable suit that has some really nice airbrushing on it i think that that picture makes my wallet hurt yeah yeah it makes my wallet hurt too travis also, finished 14 years of military service clad ears to paws <sighs> In white fur striped with electric blue. And his, gr- and his green claws... Oh, God, this is going to be fur- full... Wait, hold up. Is he the one that got his whatever, like, thing in his fursuit? What? There was something that... I don't even know what... Oh, no, 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 that wasn't him. Uh, I- my husband actually knows the full story behind that, and it's actually really fucking cool. I was going to say, I couldn't remember what the hell that was. I thought that was this guy, and I was like, yo. It might be. I might not be remembering it right, but I don't think so. But Okay. In his green claws, the former armorer for the U.S. Army held a collection of military insignia, including a combat action badge signifying that he engaged with enemy fighters in Iraq. He stood before an amused audience of men in tight haircuts and camouflage as his unit came... Yep, it was him. As his unit came together to honor his service. In his fursuit, Travis is better known as Stolf. A, fan- a fantastical big cat blending the features of snow leopard, tiger, tiger. I can't believe I just mispronounced tiger. Ticker. 
and Wolf. He likes to he likes the odd motorcycle ride or ski run while dressed up and enjoys meeting other furries, members of the internet subculture centered on dressing up as anthropomorphic animals. In his less colorful uniform, Travis was entrusted with the maintenance and repair of small arms like the Mark 19 grenade launcher, both in Iraq and at his duty station, McCord Air Force McCord Air Force Base in Washington State. Travis asked that only his first name be used because of online threats he's received. The ceremony was a big success. His sergeant had invited him to come in his costume since Travis could no longer wear his uniform as a civilian. His unit already knew he was a furry and loved the gag, Travis said. A picture of his proceedings went viral three different times on Twitter. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. The funny thing is, I'm pretty sure his sergeant asked him to appear in that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, if I remember, he asked. Yeah, I think he was asked to do it. And then the next subtitle is Sweaty Business. Playing and performing in full-body mascot-like in a full-body mascot-like suit is a disciplined endeavor, and not always a comfortable one. It is never a comfortable one. Any furry will tell you that it's hot inside a suit and that the and that problem is compounded when members gather in real life. Fursuit wearers run a real risk of overheating, especially at sunny outdoor events like meetups and pride parades. And Megaplex. I remember. Yeah, side note on that, how overheated you can get. I was suiting in Megaplex, and I just have a partial for the time being. My undershirt got drenched in sweat because this was 2016. They had us walk around the parts of the hotel outside, and it was like that. It was hot. My undershirt Oof. got drenched. I had to go back to the car and change my shirt. Pro tip for new fursuiters. If you're going to a con, always pack more than one set of uh, Under Armour, or you will be washing it and air drying it. You will be washing okay. it in the tub and air drying it because it, you don't want to smell like sweat. Yep, which I'm going to be, side note on this, I'm going to be buying one of these vests when I get my full suit. Nice, I am too, but every maker I'm friends with who I've said, oh, I want to get a fursuit of mono, was like, they either say, and I quote, oof, or that's going to be really, really expensive because it's four different shades of gray, and gray fur is hard to find. Meanwhile, I said both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I to increase their in-suit endurance, some furries use cooling vests, much like an athlete might. Specifically designed vests can hold packs of fluids that remain at steady low temperatures against the wearer's bodies. A godsend for keeping body heat at bay when you're wearing a fur head when you're wearing fur head to toe. Whether in body armor or a full body fursuit, Travis, like many of his peers in either camp, often employs one of these cooling layers to avoid overheating. His preferred design, the EZ cooldown vest, was crafted by a Dutch furry. Travis brought his bought his first cooling vest a decade ago and switched to Easy Cooldown in late 2014. I first used it in uniform under full armor the following summer, Travis told the Daily Beast. It made a huge difference under the body armor as they raised core temps quite a bit. Travis didn't employ, didn't deploy his, with his vest or his fursuit, though he did. Who the? Why would it even need to be said that he didn't deploy with his fursuit? <laughs> hey, uh, I'm gonna go run around in combat zone in my fursuit. Make sure to take lots of pictures so I can upload them on Fursuit Friday. The mental image I have is just somebody running, like, in a war zone in the fursuit and just full-on charging. Oh, whoa, you're... Oh, whoa, you missed. Oh, whoa, you missed me, Sua. Oh, whoa, uh, ooh-woo, firing for effect. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> I'm good at that. All right. 
Though he did put the vest to the test during a training ex- during training <clears throat> exercises in Washington, donning donning it for routine tasks like setting up camp and more demanding drills like full scale simulations of enemy attacks on his enemy attacks on his unit's outpost, complete with blank rounds. The vest took the edge off of Central Washington's eighty de- eighty degree heat and humidity. If you That's think all. eighty degrees is hot, go to Florida or North Carolina in the summer. Yeah, we we call it hell season. It literally. Our air conditioning literally could not keep up because, well, let me, our air conditioning couldn't, wasn't just not able to keep up. It actually blew a capacitor because it was working so hard. And we, and we had like half a day where it was like 90 degrees in the house. Good Lord. Yeah. I've been in the heat enough with jobs that it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I'll be fully honest. We keep our house at like 68 so the heat, I'm really sensitive to the heat now. Um, I'm going to have to pause real quick. The fu- there we go. <laughs> okay, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. While Travis had worn the easy cool... Uh, yeah. While Travis <laughs> had worn the easy cool-down vest for more for cosplay than military operations, sometimes those uses overlap, like when he performed in costume for fellatory, fe- fellow military members at a USO, USO show a few years ago. Hold up. Are you having a stroke? No, I'm not having a stroke. I'm just having <laughs> reverb. <laughs> I accidentally took a muscle relaxer before this. It's a miracle I can talk at all. Fellow Tory military members. <laughs> Holy shit, this article. Yeah. Tired of... We can just paraphrase if you want. I don't even know how long it is. There is a husky. It's, I love it. It's pretty long. Yeah, might as well paraphrase it just because of how long yeah. it is. Oh, God. <laughs> uh-huh, you're still using ad blocker. Yes, I'm using ad blocker because it's 20 fucking 19. Block my ad, daddy. <laughs> there. Now it's going to spam me with fucking ads. Um, basically, it's this guy... Or basically, the thing is about this: the vest has been used by. It's not officially deployed. Like they don't have an official contract with the U.S. military, but um, a lot of people use it, like in Japan and places like that, because of how humid it gets in the summer. Yeah. Oof. Which is good. That's basically the entire article. All right, on to the next one. This one is really cool. Wait, hold it's on. The multi- it, okay, I was going to say, which one? Which one's the next one? It's the multiverse article. I want to read this one. You want to read it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> read it. Oh, it isn't that long. Cool. Multiverse hopes to bridge the communities of fantasy, sci-fi, and horror, fil- horror films. God, I'm just as bad. <laughs> horror <laughs> fans. Furries included. Multiverse. I thought this was going to be the multiverse theory. <laughs> no, it, it's a convention. More conventions. My bank account cries. <laughs> <laughs> multiverse, a brand new convention for fans of science, fiction, fantasy, horror, comics, furry culture, and more will hold its debut. It's in Atlanta. Event yeah, it's in Atlanta. October 18th to the 20th in Atlanta, Georgia. The convention located at the Hilton Atlanta Airport. It's okay. Hilton Atlanta Airport will bring together fans, authors, artists, and other creators, all of whom share a common passion. Genre fiction. 
Attendees can expect sci-fi fantasy and horror media, tabletop role-playing games, cosplay, and other beloved staples of geekery to feature heavily at Multiverse. Panel discussions, a fursuit festival, an art gallery, a gaming hall, and even a charity auction for a nonprofit. What? Rices. It's the charity. Oh. Yeah. For nonprofit Rices. It's going to be so much fun, truly, says the convention chair, Ali Charlesworth. Whether you love Game of Thrones or Black Panther or the movie Get Out or Dungeons and Dragons or even My Little Pony, this is absolutely your con. Charlesworth considers the multiverse to be a new kind of convention. This event staffs aim to be invite a wide spectrum of guests with myriad backgrounds from best-selling authors to award-winning artists to some of the industry's best costume creators. For that reason, while the convention is not strictly a furry convention, multiverse staff notes that furries are welcome and said have been and oh god. Furries are welcome and have been integrated into programming from the start. So is Ali a furry to come up with that? I don't know. I just find it really freaking cool that a convention is like, yeah, we know about furries, um, and we're going to include them in our people that are welcome. I mean, because usually I'm going to a Comic-Con next Friday because we were just like, oh, these tickets are only 15 bucks, and uh, we might as well go. But, um, yeah, but it's basically like there seems to be a very clear line of demarcation between uh, like anime conventions and fandom conventions and furry conventions, but I'm they never merge in a very like cohesive way. They are, they're always separate. You can be a furry at an anime convention, but none of the programming is going to be for you. So this is really cool because it's like, oh yeah, we're a fandom convention, and that includes all fandoms. Exactly. One of the convention stars for this year, for instance, includes. Activist for Sutra, Lilia Spinell. Spinell? Whatever. Programming consists... Lelia Spaniel. Yeah. Lelia Spaniel. Thank you. Programming consists of panels such as character performance. That, that would be a cool one to go to. That would be something I would go to. Mm-hmm. Because I... Um, I would say, touching on that character performance, that's something else. It's like that I touch on and I just, I'm getting better at is my Sona is supposed to be bouncy go lucky I've gotten better at it but I'm still not perfect yeah you're still you you're not playing a character and you need to learn how to kind of play a character more I guess exactly like he is me to a point but he's also a more open and confident me yeah yeah werewolves yeah. of the real world the anatomy of dragons LGBTQ plus in the fandom, which that's basically the whole alphabet now. Yeah. And identity and board game and identity and board and RPG games. You may remember her from the CNN Lisa Ling special. As yeah, she was on that furry one. As communications director, who am myself a furry, I believe we could be completely amiss to put together a con of creatives and storytellers without including furries. Yes and no. That I will agree with. Yes, it's great to tie them in because of how broad the spectrum is, but they're also... It sounds bad when I say they're also not necessary for a convention. Every fandom is not necessary for a convention. If it 
makes any sense. It, yeah, expand upon that a little bit, because I don't really understand what you're saying. Um, yes, it's really cool that they're including furries into the convention, but it could also not be included at the same time. It's, yeah, it, it, basically, it's not... what I think you're trying to say is basically furries have their own thing going on, so they don't necessarily have to be included. Exactly, and it's not... Okay. The way, like, the way the article so far has come off to me is that it's this... that it needs it to survive. And I'm like, yes and no. Yes, it's a great idea, but also it's not necessarily like Comic-Con survives perfectly fine. Yeah. Dragon-Con, so forth, survives perfectly fine without furries being there. Being a main feature. There will definitely be furries there, but they will not be mainly... They're not, like, a main feature of the convention. Exactly. And that's something I think is really cool with this. Reading it, I am all for them integrating them into it, but it's also, like, you know... It's not, like, 100% vital to the convention, but I find it really cool that they're at least like, oh, yeah, furries are a thing, too, so why don't we have some programming built into the convention that includes them? So it's not like... Because in my experience, if you're going to a general fan-up convention and you're a furry... It's mostly like you're going to fursuit there. I'm, I'm not a fursuiter, but from what I've seen, you're going to fursuit there for a few hours, maybe go to a panel about something completely unrelated to you, and then you're going to be bored, and then you're just going to hang out with friends. Exactly, or go down around the artist alley look for stuff to buy. While this one, yeah. there is going to be panels specifically for furries, which I am all for. Yeah. Uh, I will fully admit that I'm not the kind of furry that goes to panels. I mostly go to conventions to hang out with friends that I met online. Yeah, I do that too. I will go, there are a few panels that I want to go to. Like, one of them was, um, last year they had a fursuit cleaning thing. I went to that because somebody spilled orange soda on one of my paws, my foot paws. Oof. Yeah. Also, pro tip, avoid chocolate and ketchup like it's going to murder you because it will murder your suit. Bakari Roo did a video on it and they she literally could not get the ketchup out. Yeah. Also, if you have white fur anywhere on your feet, avoid the escalators. Oh, definitely. I was not aware how greasy Oof. they were. I had like a white streak on, or black streak on the side of it. The guy at the first suit then cleaned it, thankfully. Oof. The orange, he got most of it out, not all of it, which I was kind of sad about. But Oof. anyways, everyone on staff has been accepting and open-minded, and I think that is going to establish a kind little con for all members, including those of us who wear tails as a hobby. The positive and welcoming atmosphere of the multiverse is especially important to the convention science fiction programming lead K Series Wright, who wants to create an event that truly represents the modern fandom community. It's a big geek party, but we don't want to get too huge. We Wright says, we want the con to always be a little a place where you can meet creators and fellow fans and have meaningful conversations about the things in the fandom that matter. We want people to know that no matter where they are, they're welcome here. To attend Multiverse 2019, fans can register at the event itself or pre-register online for a discounted price at multiversecon.org slash register. Multiverse also encourages donations of goods, very themed or otherwise, to the silent charity auction, the proceeds of which go entirely to Rices, ricestexas.org. Nice. That's actually really cool. If I wasn't hella far away I would actually go yeah same alright 
And do we want to read the next article, or do we kind of want to wrap up? Uh, the next one isn't even that long. True. Uh, a- basically, it's like it's a new. I think it's a new. Yeah, it's a. Um, it's a new three-day con in o- Oklahoma. It's called Terrells and Tornadoes Fur Con, and they on their uh, f- I think their first year, which was this year, they raised seven thousand dollars for wildlife rescue, which is awesome. If there aren't any, tor- if there aren't any tornadoes at this con, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, it, it already happened. It already happened. <laughs> if there weren't anything, any, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's basically the whole point of me including that article because. I always like to include articles if people have noticed from the few episodes we've done. If a convention raises a really nice, like, really good amount of money for a, a, a charity, I want to highlight that because I think that's really cool. <laughs> also, my cat is yelling at me. Meow. <laughs> Can you hear her? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I should try- we go ahead and wrap up? Yeah, I just heard a faint. Like I don't know if it was you hitting your keyboard or something. I heard a crash followed by a meow. <laughs> no, nothing fell. <laughs> Everybody, this has been Growl Episode Three with Monochrome Tiger and Reverb Husky. We're glad to be back. Hopefully, we'll be more frequent, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye bye.